Today, we find out what happens when the crew of the Enterprise stops being polite and starts getting real. We learn that people in the future shower with their clothes on, and we ask the question, what do drunk androids do on their off time? The answer, Tasha Yar. All that and more. Stay with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your host, Sharice. And I'm Andrea. This episode, we're reviewing season one, episode two, The Naked Now. Super interesting name right off the bat. Mm-hmm. It's written by John D.F. Black and D.C. Fontana, directed by Paul Lynch. And the star date in this episode is 41209.2, which if we could talk about that for one second, <laughs> what the heck the star date even means mm-hmm. is just... it. Feels like it'd be so cool if it was actually something like calculable that we could apply, like what's our start yeah. date today? And if you yeah, want to sound yeah, yeah. really trekky or nerdy or like whatever. Uh, turns out after extensive research, it's basically a pile of crap. <laughs> it just means nothing. Yeah. It's, so, te- it's techno babble. It totally is. I wish it was something, but it's not. It sounds like it should be something. Um, so the start date always starts with the number four because they're in the 24th century. That's what I was able to ascertain. Mm-hmm. And then there's a gaggle of numbers and then a decimal point and then a n- one more number usually. And that number is supposed to be the day of the week. So 41209.2 means it was like the second day of the week, but the one, two, zero, like that doesn't mean anything. So it's mostly yeah, like, like they're in the 24th century and that's it. Do we know what day of the week is day number one? You know, sometimes it's Sunday, sometimes it's right? Monday. Right. <laughs> why do they even have a seven day calendar when there's no sun, which is the, why we have a seven. I don't know. There's so many questions. But we're just gonna we're <laughs> right. just gonna leave the star date as it is and just, we're just take gonna it on faith. We're, just, we're going to appreciate it for the majesty that it is and move on. So the plot of the Naked Now is the crew of the Enterprise is responding to messages received from a research vessel that's Zilakovsky, um, and they're monitoring like the collapse of some star. And the message suggests to the Enterprise that after a round of laughter and extreme horniness, what it sounds like, the crew suddenly is exposed to some sort of explosion, and that's all we know about him. So the Enterprise Mm -hmm. crew beams in to investigate only to find that everybody is dead on board, Mm -hmm. Um, and Jordy is infected with some sort of illness, and it ends up basically spreading to the rest of the crew, and this illness lowers the crew's inhibition, so everyone behaves as though they were drunk. That is our synopsis. It's a big so, one. So here's the thing. When they get to the, when they get to the, say, say the name of that ship again. The Tsiolikovsky. Sure. When they got to that ship, <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they arrive and they're like, let's, let's take a look at the bridge and see what's going on. And they had opened an airlock and sucked themselves yes. out of the airlock because they thought it would be fun. Now, what is crazy about this to me? I mean, it's just it's a really interesting scenario to start an episode off on. So I was a fan of that. I was like, right. okay, there's, you got, you got my interest. I'm, I'm very curious right? as to what the heck is going on. Um, <laughs> and then they go into the, the rooms where they're just finding these frozen bodies, which was kind of a throwback to the pilot where they had some frozen bodies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they are just mm-hmm. loving this frozen body special effect going on. <laughs> it's like, and, but this time all the bodies were naked, but they were all frozen. And I was like, okay, that's, mm-hmm, Okay. It is that's a pretty a cool effect. They do totally look frozen. I have no idea how they <laughs> right? did that. Tasha Yar is like, oh yeah, I've been here before. <laughs> I've been frozen. <laughs> I call it throwback Thursday or throwback <laughs> 0.7 or whatever day that the Thursday would be in the star date calendar that we just we don't know. But um, yeah, so like, so first of all, you're just kind of like, wow, everybody died. We don't know how. 
And that is right. very concerning. Then they beam back to the ship. And now we're like, uh-oh, Jordy's acting a little cuckoo. And yep. and I, I love Picard's just phrasing of like, wait a minute, whatever this thing is, killed everybody on that ship. So we need to find a cure to this immediately. Like, it may just seem like fun and games. He's cracking jokes in sick bay, but um, that they, people were sucking themselves out of airlocks and freezing to death. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, they're, they're like, I love how serious he is about it. He's, Picard is my kind of captain where he's like, we've got some bad shit <laughs> and we need to find the answer immediately. Mm-hmm. Just right now, not tomorrow, Dr. Crusher, right now. So if I could jump into a little bit of trivia before we really, really get into the meat of this. Yeah, please do. So- this episode, I know, Sharice, that you love. I didn't or love. Or at least you really, okay, maybe you really like it. Or maybe I you liked just it. hated the pilot. I hated the pilot. Okay. And in contrast to the pilot, I really like this episode. Okay. Yes. How do you feel about episode. it? As How do you feel whole? about it in terms of like the entire like, so that, series? I don't, I don't know if that's really fair because in the beginning of a season of any show, they're still getting their bearings, right? They still, where they're still figuring yeah. out who the characters are. Do we like them? Do we not? So it's hard for me to compare like episode two to any other episodes because they're still like barely coming off the pilot. Like they were barely greenlit as a show. Um, sure. So I can't, I can't really compare. I think the show does age like fine wine. It gets better each season. Agreed. Um, but I will say that, that why I like this episode better was because it had a plot that I could follow. It was very, very cookie cutter, right? Dangerous, super yeah. deadly virus could kill you. And so could an exploding star, apparently. So let's try to not all have the deadly virus where we kill ourselves while also in the path of the exploding star. And let's see if we can get out in time. So I really enjoyed the fact that for my mind, I could follow that logic very easily. So, okay. So that makes more sense to me. I like this episode more than the pilot, but I still don't like this episode. And I I like it for the reasons (laughs) that you do, because... It's got, you know, a beginning, a middle, and an end, Mm -hmm. unlike the pilot episode, which is all over the freaking place. Mm -hmm. Um, But this episode was rated, as far as I understand by my research, one of the lowest rated episodes of series Mm -hmm. history in TNG. And here's why. And I did not know this until I was doing this research for this podcast, but Gene Roddenberry wanted to include an episode that revealed the character's motivations like to the audience really, really early on. Uh-huh. So as a basis for this, I don't know why he chose this route, but as a basis for this, he turned to the original Star Trek series called The Naked Time and basically mm. copied the episode exactly. That is so, so interesting because they do mention that in the show where right. Riker's like, I've heard this before. It's something that happened on the original Enterprise and then Data yes. looks it up and I was like, I wonder if that was an episode from the original Enterprise, but since I it haven't actually, watched it, I didn't know. Yes, it actually was. And so the reason that it was rated really, really low among viewers was because here they are tuning into a brand new Star Trek and it's episode freaking two and they're already lifting like almost verbatim like script from the previous series. And so the viewers are like, okay, I was excited for this, but you guys are showing me by episode two, you're already out of content. So you're already looking <laughs> in your archives to like- That's never a good sign. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. And, there, and so it seemed like they had nothing original to really say at the beginning. And so that's why it was rated really, really um, poorly. So viewers were just really dismayed by this because they thought they had nothing original to say. Um, the other little bit of trivia is that, um, I don't know if you notice this and you probably do in rewatching this for this podcast, but- the chief engineer bounces around a bunch in the first 
um, season. Like who the chief engineer is. Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. chief engineer Sarah McDougal was the chief engineer in this episode. And in this episode alone, like we don't maybe she got sucked out into space or something <laughs> like at a later time. Um, so but unfortunate. She was, so unfortunate. Right. Right. Um, okay. So if we could just jump right in, you mentioned when the Enterprise away team beams onto the Tsiolkovsky, they discover that the, that the um, bridge crew has been sucked out into space, or I think mm-hmm. the more correct term is they've been blown out into space, but let's not get all actually about that. Um, <laughs> but here's, here's my thing. I watched this and I was like, what the hell? The escape hatch is literally right behind the captain's chair. Like it's who thought basically of where like the ready room is. Right. And you're like, well, so, why would you, I mean, there was so no like somebody, force field in place. There's no, right? like if, if you, if you're just pod. like a little, if you're a little clumsy and like you trip, you could kill everybody aboard the bridge immediately. Like <laughs> who the F thought to put the escape hatch like one inch behind the captain's head? Why would that be there? Why would you put that there? Without an escape the pod. It's, there's no right, pod the there. It's just- would be. It's just a doorway, like an uh, like an airplane door that just opens to space. Like <laughs> that's a terrible idea. Okay, so let's yes. get into more about the actual episode, though, because because what we're talking about was literally like the first ten seconds, but it really just made me think like, what is <laughs> okay. going on in this world? Um, okay, so one of the things that I thought was really funny and kind of corny but kind of awesome was that whenever someone infected touched someone else, there was like a sizzle sound. And I was like, oh, as a microbiologist, if only there was a sizzle sound every time a contagious pathogen was passed, (laughs) life would be a different place. I mean, just think about STDs, think about the current coronavirus situation. We would never have to wonder. We would never have to guess. But Sharice, if an STD was going to be passed, the sex sounds would drown out the sizzle sound, I would think. This is true. This is true. (laughs) Hmm. And you know the Barry White in the background, which is drown it right out. So STDs might still be a mystery, but the yeah, rest of the world, yeah, might, know, we would might need we to, would or or sex would be quieter. I don't know, I don't know. But my point is, <laughs> is if we had that sizzle sound, I mean, so much anxiety would be lifted because people would be like, "You definitely have it." <laughs> like you heard the sizzle. You know what? You have I'm it. telling you, I we are in the midst of coronavirus as we record this, and I'm going to the grocery store every now and then. Definitely not as much as normally. Um, in like mask and gloves and all that stuff because mm-hmm. um, I don't you know want to catch this coronavirus. But if if there were only a sizzle sound, I would know if I had gotten it or not, and then I yeah. wouldn't be as worried. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. That'd be so much easier. One hundred percent. Sound cracked me up. It really did. I was like, oh, okay, now you have it. Although I just thought, how stupid do you think we are as viewers, where we might not notice that you guys are touching and then somebody's acting strangely? But whatever. Who's I mean, I, I just think you know, clarity is king, and I prefer that they use the sizzle sound. Because then as, as you're watching it, you're just like, sizzle, oop, you got it. Sizzle, you got it too. <laughs> like you can just see it. Because there's the scene where Tasha's walking through the, she's, she's shimming, she's sashaying through the corridor. Yeah, because she's drunk as hell at this point. Yeah, she's got the <laughs> drunk virus or whatever. Yeah, and the, and the scene opens up like on her butt or something, on her hips. Yes, and yeah. And you're like, really? But anyway, so she's sashaying down the corridor and you just see everyone just making out and whatever, but no sizzle sound. So you're kind of like, huh, how did they get it that you know and so I kind of I kind of I kind of like the cheesy sizzle because it was like oh you've got it and I love that Crusher figures it out because they specifically went out of their way to say this was not a virus however it's acting like a virus and it's transmitting through touch so I thought that was interesting that she picked it up because why would you guess that if it's not a virus that it's transmitted by touch why wouldn't you guess it's transmitted by air yeah that would be a better guess to me 
that they were down there on the ship, they inhaled something and now they're speaking kind of like with coronavirus, right? They're speaking and all the droplets of germs are coming out. And then that's right. actually what's infecting. That would make, that would be my first guess. So it was amazing to me that she guessed that it was touch. And she guessed the second that she got sizzled, she was like, wait a minute, you touch her. Then you touch me. Now we all got it. And she was like, oh, right. crap. Yeah. <laughs> work faster, Beverly work faster. <laughs> well, I do love, and we can get into this later. Well, actually, you know what? I'm just going to wait till we get to that when we get to it, but dialing back the timeline just a little bit. So they come back from the ship from the Tsiolkovsky. They find everybody's frozen, which uh, just a quick side note, if everybody has frozen to death 20 seconds ago and the away team is wandering around on the ship, how, how are they not freezing to yeah, death? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think, that. I don't think they froze to death 20 seconds ago. I think they froze to death a while ago. And the, oh, the people and who were the escape right, hatch. The people, no, the people who blew the hatch were the ones who were not frozen to death. They were still alive. They were partying on the, on the, um, the deck or whatever. And mm-hmm. then they were just like, you can hear okay, them in so the background that, in the, in the beginning, actually just those yes, people they're that like were partying. like, yeah, well, you could hear them when they're like, should I do it? Should I push it? Yeah. Push it. Do it. Do it. Do it. It's going to yeah, be fun. Yeah. And they're like, okay, boom. And then you hear them yeah. push it. So I think those were the ones who did not freeze themselves to death or die in some other horrible way they were still alive and then they blew themselves out of the hatch oh uh, that makes more sense mm-hmm. all right well at any rate so jordy's wandering around he he finds you know the frozen woman um in the freezer and she falls in the shower she falls I mean. in, yeah in the shower which is really weird because it just looked like a closet so how do they know it's a shower but whatever and that's besides the point so this frozen woman falls into his arms so he is infected and then he comes back and he's in sick bay, and everybody's getting checked out to make sure that they didn't, you know, bring anything aboard, which they totally did, but whatever. And um, it just it occurred to me as I was watching this that Jordy's laying on the bed, Dr. Crusher is doing the tricorder thing, and Riker <laughs> is like leaning so far over Jordy, like, A, why are you in there? Does privacy not exist in the 24th century? Like, where's OSHA to be like, hey, uh, let this guy have like a little privacy in his medical screening. Mm -hmm, And and, and honestly, so much of this problem in this episode was so avoidable because everybody was talking like three inches away from each other. And I just kept screaming like, back up. This is, (laughs) we're in the midst of coronavirus lockdown and I'm like, social distancing. Like I'm yelling at the TV. You're going six feet, buddy, six feet. But see, had you seen this episode- four months ago, you probably would have thought something a little different, right? You would right. have been like social distancing, you know, everybody, I saw a friend post on Facebook today. He said, wow, in the last, um, in the last 60 days, suddenly every single person I know on Facebook has become a virologist and a microbiologist and an immunologist <laughs> in just those 60 days. Like they're all experts, which is so hilarious. Um, because well, it's we true. Now we're more informed. Our hands now. Right. And we now everyone's a lot more of time informed. on our hands now, Sharice. We've all gotten our medical degrees <laughs> while we've had this downtime. So Jordy has wandered off from sick bay and his intoxication and then subsequently all the other crew members intoxication is like the most cartoonish version of intoxication. Mm-hmm. Jordy at some point is going, I feel like my body is heating up and he's like grabbing his like insides. <laughs> like uh-huh. this is maybe how like a D list actor would act having like stomach pain but uh-huh. it's pretty funny because it was like spreading through this whole crew so uh-huh. they're they're over like when people are drunk they're not just making out in all the hallways and every place of your workplace are you or sure like a, because that I looked mean- <laughs> very convincing on the ship i mean and it was maybe- the second ship actually the third ship apparently <laughs> to be infected right apparently <laughs> apparently 
um, yeah, no, it was so, so, so cheesy. Um, and the only way, by the way, this keeps spreading because Troy wants to be close to Riker because she's feeling overwhelmed by everybody's sexual urges. So she is like touching his neck and his face. And then, you know, Troy got infected because Tasha Yar was t- touching hands with her. And then Riker got Crusher infected because he touched her neck to get her attention. I'm like, mm-hmm. first of all, this is the military, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're all not just touching faces and touching our hand to someone's neck to be like, good morning. Are you, how right. are you doing today? Mm-hmm. It's such a gross, like, person. Also, this is episode two. You're already going to horny, Jean? <laughs> You're <laughs> already true. defaulting to horny? That's it's true, literally but sex episode sales, right? two. Yeah. Episode two, he's like, you know what? I'm out of storylines. Let's just go straight to sex. <laughs> like, yep. It's always a good fallback. And what's funny about that is that this is not, it's not that kind of show. Like, they don't repeat something like this. Spoiler alert. They don't repeat something like this ever again in the canon yeah, if you're of looking Next for, Generation. If you're looking for heavy-duty space porn, maybe Star Trek TNG is not the no, way for you to go. not the way to go. Mm-mm, you need a different no. show. It's a different show for there, that. There are, now, there are a couple of sex scenes. Um, and by sex scenes, I mean this was on, like, primetime TV, so they can only allow so much. Right, right. And it was basically, like, two characters going into a room and then the door closing behind them, and you just sort of, it alludes to what happens. Mm-hmm. But there are a few scenes like that. Um, but I would just say in all seven seasons, maybe just a handful. It really is just, like yeah, very light. Just a handful and maybe a couple, there's a couple characters who are just like obsessed with Picard and they hit on him pretty hard. And then there's like one episode where, where Troy has a situation where she's kind of this super seductress. But for the most part, this whole, the whole crew just has to have sex with everybody they see is not a thing that repeats. So it does kind of set no. a false expectation for being episode Number two, I do want to mention something interesting. So uh, that you just, that you just kind of pointed on with um, Troy going to Riker and being like, I just need you or whatever is when she, when she tries to get his attention, she calls him Bill. And that was in the TNG Bible. That was like one of the things listed under, under Riker's description is that in informal situations, his good friends will all call him Bill. And I just, when I read that, I was like, Bill, nobody calls him Bill. Like only, right? you know, close I was like, people, it's Will. Yeah, close people call him Will. Nobody calls him William. Um, and nobody calls him Bill. So I was like, okay, I guess they scrapped that part of the TNG Bible. And then she goes, Bill, I need you. And I was like, ew, oh, somebody did say it once. I'm glad they switched that because that is like, <laughs> mm, I don't like it. See, I actually just watched this episode and I heard her say Will. So, but, you know, it. I guess it was Bill. That's crazy. Yeah. If I would have heard that, I'd have been like, er, what? Although Ooh. I do, right. So I do love that you mentioned that because <laughs> when she goes, Bill, and tries to get his attention, he comes over and he goes, what do you want? <laughs> it's so <laughs> like, I'm busy right now. And she's over here sweating and having all these crazy sexual urges. And he's just like, what do you want? <laughs> like, you could not be less rejected. <laughs> It's kind of like a repeat of, of episode one, right? Where she's like, yeah. maybe you and I should go down under the tunnels. And he's like, no, how about not? You <laughs> go not ahead and go that. with somebody else. We're not doing that. <laughs> and right? it's funny too, because the TNG Bible kind of talks about how Riker doesn't want them to be together because he thinks it'll diminish his judgment and his ability to make a good call. But right. the way it comes across is I am just so not into you, lady. I'm very much not into you. And it comes across as Troy being super thirsty and Riker being super standoffish. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just, totally. it's interesting. We'll see how that, um, just nobody ends up, develops. nobody ends up looking, nobody ends up looking great in that scenario. Like she looks thirsty. He looks uninterested and like, a, like, um, 
like aloof towards her. So it's like, ah, mm-hmm. eh. um, oh, this is one place where Will's sort of general like lacks kind of personality. I mean, he's 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 very very serious about his career, right? He wants to make captain by like certain age, all this stuff. Right. Like he takes his job very seriously. Right. But this was the first time that we saw what I think of as the Will Riker man spread when he's sitting in his commander's chair and his legs are all spread apart and his elbows are like on his knees, so he's like leaning forward. He's doing like the Will Riker lean, uh-huh. right? And he just he looks like he's just like listening to an interesting story. He's like way leaning up, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, the Will Riker spread has has started to show itself. Um, and I cannot wait till we get to the episodes where he starts doing the lean because as far as I understand, Jonathan Frakes is a really tall guy or like yeah. a big, yeah. tall, strapping man. I think man. he's pretty tall. Yeah, right. So things things like the bridge, you know, like the bridge panel that Worf has to stand at all the time are low for him. And so he does this like power stance where he'll often either do kind of the Captain Morgan and put his crotch in people's face when they're talking to him. So uncomfortable. Con- I'm always so uncomfortable when he does that. I'm like, Data, why don't you be like, buddy, can you take three steps back? <laughs> Put Sir, your leg down. You your genitals for my proximal, <laughs> whatever, like something. <laughs> yes. But, or he does the Will Riker lean where he holds onto the bridge and then leans like down and forward. Yes. And yes. He does the like, who do you think you are, buddy? And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm taking you seriously now. Yeah. It's, Will Riker is no joke. He's no joke. Yeah. Um, but anyway, speaking of data and genitals, should we just get right into that? <laughs> <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time moment. I started a conversation with that exact line right there, <laughs> I, I would have like one is nickel. Why, is that why Brent Spiner won't return our phone calls to be on this yeah. podcast? Because we start things like... That's our last time saying it, Brent. Genitals. I swear. It's our last time saying it. Be on our show. Um, Yeah. So that was another thing that was in the TNG Bible, which was that data be fully functional. And what was funny about that is that where it says, you know, so by the way, this TNG Bible that we're referring to is a writer's guide that Gene Roddenberry created to explain to other writers or anybody who's involved with the show, the kind of the vision of the show. So it covers a whole bunch of stuff like the cast and, or the crew, I should say, and um, like their characteristics, their personalities, what the ship should look like, their mission, all kinds of things, backstories. And so in the section where it's talking about data, it says that data was created by this colony of, you know, in this colony, blah, blah, blah. And it says um, he was created to be fully functional and fully functional is like bold and underlined. So I was like, clearly they wanted to explore the fact that he was fully functional at some point in this show, they wow. need to know. Yeah. So they were boldly going where no Android has gone before. Apparently. Yes. <laughs> yes. And what's, and the other thing that's interesting is when they describe what data's character is supposed to kind of look like the original idea was that he would be kind of like a Pacific Islander or more of an Asian descent and that he would look completely. Interesting. Yeah. And that he would look completely human that the only way, and it, it was supposed to fool like the best biologists. And the only way you could tell was like some special little test or something to find out that he hmm. actually wasn't human. So obviously they went in a totally different direction. They hired someone who is not of Asian descent, as far as I know. Um, but Brent, when you're right. on our show, you can let us know if that's true. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, and then they also made him look very robotic, right? They, they painted him, it looks white, but it's gold paint. But they, they painted him so that he looks kind of white with the green eyes. He looks very um, other. Uh, yes. Which I thought was an interesting. He looks very not human. He looks very not human, and I think that was I think that was a good call. I think it was better to make someone look to make Data look non-human 
So you know he's different from the start rather than make him look exactly like everybody else. But for, but we're also supposed to remember that he's not right. I think it, it just makes right. it a lot, a lot better. It, do, it does make it a lot more clear, but yeah. I can't tell mm-hmm. you how cringy I felt watching that scene when he goes to check on Tasha and she's wearing next to nothing and asking him how fully functional, like how fully functional mm-hmm. he is. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there going fully. And I'm also, I've been programmed with like many different techniques. And I was like, oh God, like, I don't need to know this data. This, I don't, I don't want to know this. And also, um, do you just keep the like normal, like blank face or like, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's programmed with appropriate responses as well. Maybe. I'm not Let's sure. Hope so. I'm not Let's sure. Hope so. I guess but I never yeah, was... thought that far what, what happens when the doors close. <laughs> I was just kind of like, that's weird. I just thought, oh dear God, I didn't need to know this. But, but um, Denise Crosby, the actress who plays Tashi R, has the most ridiculous body oh my gosh she looked so good she did oh she looked amazing i mean they all had ridiculous bodies like yeah they did those Mm -hmm. uniforms left nothing to the imagination in terms of like any kind of extra pounds they probably didn't have a cinnamon roll for seven years no 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 nothing whatsoever no you probably just if you were i mean um Marina Sirtis, who plays Counselor yeah. Troy, like mm-hmm. she has very revealing sort of like costumes. But the yeah. men too, like Patrick Stewart and um, Jonathan Frakes, mm-hmm. that, those guys couldn't be carrying an ounce extra on them. So they, yeah, they all were in like amazing shape. But that costume that they went with for Tasha Yar's like seduction scene, yeah, was crazy. And for those of you who haven't seen this episode or haven't seen it for a while and don't know what it looks like. We'll post a picture up mm-hmm. of her with her crazy banging good body. It reminds me a little bit of website. I dream of Jeannie. That's kind of what it, what came to my mind. Definitely like mm-hmm. super midriff bearing and like back bearing and kind of like parachute pants sort of. Yes. It was adorbs. Like she looked great. She looked, she looked great. Amazing. She looked amazing. I wish she would have gotten rid of that stupid curl on her head. That was, that yep, was really that was dumb, me. but I think it was supposed to be futuristic. That, oh my God. Oh my gosh. Okay. I was watching this episode with my husband, Brian, and I went, what is with the curl? And he went, because future. And I went, oh yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Along those veins, uh, I love at the end um, when she goes to Data and she's like feeling so embarrassed, which is my picture of what happens uh, when someone has a really rough night with alcohol. They do a bunch of things that they swore yep. to kind of remember. With a coworker? Mm-hmm. With a coworker that you sit <laughs> yep. like, you know, one foot away from. For the next um, eight years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And she walks up to him and is just like, it never happened and just turns away. And Data just looks so confused because, you know, he's processing like, but it did happen. If she would have just told him, like, let's pretend it never happened, or even though it happened, we will never talk about this again. Is that understood? He'd be like, yes, understood. Like, he is not going to be awkward about it because he doesn't have the capacity to feel awkward about it. So if you're going to have a one-night stand with anybody, Data's the guy because he's the one for you to be like, look, buddy, this happened? (laughs) He is going to be discreet. Yes. he'll be. If you tell him to be discreet, he can handle it. If you tell him never mention again. He will have no personal feelings to get in the way of his job. No. Because <laughs> he doesn't Purge have this from your memory files. Purge. <laughs> Purging. Done. Purging. Done. <laughs> Done. Okay, so talking about Data some more. I know that Data is your all-time favorite TNG character. Yes. Um, when he shows up on the bridge after he and Tasha Yar have done the dirty deed, he shows up on the bridge. <laughs> I just love saying that in the same sentence as Data. He saunters and like wobbles onto the bridge. And we don't think that androids can be infected by this 
virus, should we call it? But apparently mm-hmm. they can. So right. how did you feel watching him be silly like that? I so, was delighted. What did yes, you think? So I know the first time that I saw this, I was really annoyed, not because he was drunk, but because he's an android who was drunk. Because I was still under the impression that this was a virus. And as you all know, I'm a microbiologist. My main focus is on viruses. And I was like, come on, people. If it, if it infects <laughs> a human, it cannot also infect an android. Viruses right. are species specific. If it affects my dog, it's not going to affect my cat. Like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I was just like, I just this remember being true. annoyed you the, by that. You are that. exactly the right person to know, to know all about this. Yeah, I was just, I just remember being like, but that doesn't make, he should be, and they actually do this in a lot of episodes where he is immune to things that affect the humans because he's right. not human. So I was right. like, so like why would they have him be affected by this? And, and, and I'm not sure. As, and as far as I was aware in my rewatching just very recently and being a biologist myself, the way that they explained what was happening was they're near this like collapsing star that has like this crazy gravity shift or whatever. And so this like intense gravity um, created like oxygen bonds and molecules and the oxygen bonded with something in the carbon in the brain or whatever. And then mm-hmm. it created this like drunk, it basically created alcohol and like made everybody drunk, but mm-hmm. data doesn't have carbon in his brain and he doesn't breathe oxygen. So what the hell? Like, yeah, none of that is explained at all. He, he might, he might breathe oxygen. I mean, he doesn't, he might, he might process oxygen or something. I don't know, but, um, we might find that out in some later episodes. I guess. But yeah. They did talk about the, the water that's being like linked to something else and blah, 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 and affects the brain. And that does beg the question. Like, yes, they said it's not a virus. They said it's a chemical reaction. However, does not the android run on different chemicals than a human? Since right? when is he running on water and oxygen and carbon? Yeah, that's a great not question. To be, not to be super trekky geeky, but he is a oh, positronic no. to be totally brain. geeky. Yeah, to, to be, be totally, totally geeky. Let's, yes. Okay, let's just let's just drop the other shoe. I mean, it's episode two of our podcast. Everybody knows what a super geek we are. Okay, but he has a positronic brain. That's not a regular brain, man. Gene, you dropped the ball. I'm just going to say, I know we, we shouldn't speak ill of the dead or whatever, but Gene, y'all dropped the ball on this one. Team Gene. Yeah, because <sighs> they show his brain many times Terrible. when Jordy goes in to like, you know, look at stuff. And that is all circuitry. It's not running with water. So the water chains hit to other molecules that somehow make it alcohol or whatever is <laughs> not going to, is not going to make him but whatever, at least the hypospray worked on him. Since it since he cool. somehow was affected by it, he was just cured as well. So <laughs> yay for that. Sure. Um, and I guess, I, I mean, I'm not sure. Okay, this is what I think. Part of me is like, why did he have to sleep with Tasha Yar? Why would he get infected? Why couldn't he just not be infected and be like immune? How would that have hindered the storyline? It wouldn't have. He would have just been confused like he always is. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You are acting quite strange. That would have been fine. Um, but I think because they wanted to show the fully functional piece, they were like, okay, so he's got to have sex with somebody. And they're like, but would that make sense for him to just do that out of the clear blue? No, he wouldn't. So we got to no. get him drunk too. Yeah, um, he has to be, he has to I, be altered. Yeah, I maybe would have respected it more if someone would have messed with his positronic brain and like lowered right. his inhibitions okay. or something in the because episode, they're goofing around. Yes, in the episode The Game, which we will review when we get to watching it. Yes. Whenever we get there, we're doing an episode by episode breakdown. So when we get to that one in the episode, the game, he basically is immune to the game's like drug effect on the brain. And so in order to like keep getting their high, like, you know, the team like um, turns him off, like they couldn't have switched him off, like just switch him off. That's okay. But I feel like why Gene, is it so necessary for me to know that data can have sex? Like I don't, 
I don't need to know that Picard can have sex. Like, I'm not watching it for this. Like, I don't need to know that. Okay. Oh, my God. Speaking of Picard, uh, Dr. Crusher, in her mad rush to find the cure, Uh rushes up. She's now infected. Uh She rushes up the turbo lift to the captain's ready room and then basically starts like unzipping her top. And I was going, Beverly, put those away. Beverly, oh my God. Oh I'm no, just, Beverly. I'm just so hot, Captain. It's like, oh my God. Oh my God. It was, and, and she was like, I feel like, I feel like I might've been infected. So do you want to do this or not? Like it was so yeah, totally. And then she was like, you owe me this. And I went, whoa, Beverly, you are really like revealing like letting us peek behind the curtain as to like what your interaction with Jean-Luc Picard really is going to be like or has been like. Yeah. Because her first thing is like, you owe me this. I was like, oh, <laughs> does he have a yeah. debt he needs to repay? Yeah. And she was really good at that like seductress role. She actually, I there's another episode way later, so I won't have spoilers, but there's an episode way later in like, I don't know, season six or something that mainly stars her. And she has this kind of like losing her mind moment in it I think she's just so good at that like it's so believable when she's like I'm fighting against it but I don't want it like I believe it it doesn't seem cheesy at all um Picard yeah. on the other hand not as smooth of an operator right like he's, nope. he's not he's no Will nope. Riker let me just put it that way although Will Will was no Will Riker who, by the way in this episode <laughs> who by the way I I suspect that everybody got the hypo spray and got cured from this, but Will Riker, because he ends up being this like sex maniac <laughs> in the rest of the series. 100%. He's like Mr. Charm. He goes from being this standoffish duty type person that he has been in episode one and two to like 007, where he's oh just my God. betting every alien that he meets. Oh my God. Well, you know what? It's the beard. Jonathan, it's the beard. Perhaps. It was and, so good. and he does not yet have the beard. So we might have to wait. He a does not. Seasons. He's still pretty baby faced. He's still pretty <laughs> baby faced. But I suspect that Riker just carries that infection and was like, they offer him the hypo spray. He's like, uh, I'm no, good. no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super, super good. Uh, yeah. But Captain Picard is definitely no Riker. And he is really cheesy and funny about it, which was actually like slightly charming. Yeah. Although, it was endearing, but not, not like romanticizing. It was like, wow, look at that. It was kind of like, oh, this is awkward. This feels like a, <laughs> this feels like a teenage boy hitting on a girl he likes, you know? I think for, you're pretty. For those of you who and have, you're like, eek. Right? For those of you who've seen this episode or who are rewatching it with us, um, there's that moment in the ready room when Beverly is like, Jean-Luc, I need this, I need this. And he starts talking and he goes, <laughs> and it's the weirdest sound. He goes, <laughs> or something. I'm not sure what, was he coughing? Was he just clearing I don't his throat? Know. Was he like I hubba hubba? But is that how I it sounds was, in French? <laughs> I was... <laughs> That's the sexy sound in French. If you are one of our French listeners, please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, but I don't you know guys what <laughs> when you're really turned on. Like, I don't know what that sound effect was coming from him, and I don't know how many takes it took for them to get to that point where that was oh the one that they God. had to go with. But Ugh. then he, then he, and can I keep going with this scene? Yes, then, please. Then he leans against her, kind of like a come hither type deal, and he's just yes. like not now Beverly or something like that. And I was just like, yes, oh. yes. He like whispers it in the doorway between the bridge and the ready room. So Worf can see him. And he goes, not now Beverly. And like goes back and to then, work. And then he like waves really awkwardly at her when she gets the <laughs> turbo lift and immediately followed by Worf saying, Riker, I think the captain's infected. 
<laughs> you know, if that didn't feel like such a snitch moment, like you're ratting out the captain. <laughs> but I could, I could totally appreciate why, because he was like, you need to we're, get up we're, here. We're definitely in trouble. Um, the captain is now <laughs> infected. At this point, though, Riker is also infected. Let's not forget that. Yeah. He was infected. He infected Beverly. So if she's just infected, Picard yes. could be further along than either of them. Right. But he's not. Right. Magic. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, he managed to keep his, like, composure for the most part. And I thought, that didn't make any damn sense to me. Although maybe, you know, a bit. The tip of his lip sweated a bit. So he had, maybe he had just, like, yeah, it makes no sense. He, yeah, because that, that, that. That guy that was like the helper in engineering yeah. got infected, and then like forty seconds the, later, the he was just like engineer. a clown. Yeah. Yes, the assistant engineer. Yeah, he was just like completely useless after like five minutes of being exposed by Wesley. Mm-hmm. But but Will Riker was exposed for like <clears throat> ten hours, and he managed to sort of. I just figured he's a big strapping man. He knows how to hold his liquor. Like he was able to yeah. keep his composure, even when it's know? being like cross-linked in his brain. He still knows how to right. hang on. He still knows how to deal with that. Yeah, I'm not really sure. And then um, and then at the very end, this was so weird. I'm going to have to pay attention to see if this is how the rest of our episodes go for season one. But at the very end, um, Picard says something like, uh, we will turn into a fine crew if we avoid temptation. And everyone looks around oh knowingly. God. And then they're like, uh, engage or whatever. And I was it, like, was that supposed to be the moral of the story? <laughs> do we need to? And then no, I was okay, like, does so this I, happen in season one? Do we always have a moral of the story at the end of every episode? I don't even remember that. You know what? That line made me go, what the hell? Because that, yeah, that's basically dad of the whole ship going, it seems like we're going to have smooth sailing if everybody can stop boning, it's like, whoa, okay, <laughs> like, wait a second, wait, if nobody even starts, right, it's like, and I'm thinking, number one, um, don't the Starfleet, um, they're not cadets, the Starfleet officers, don't they take a commission for, like, five years or eight yeah. years, they spend, like, multiple years on this starship, like, yeah. you're telling me I can't have relations with anybody? <laughs> like, well, I mean, a lot. keep in mind, though, they have families on the ship, so their, their relations are fine, I think the temptation he was talking about was having sex with everything that moves. It was more that drunken orgy type thing going on because it's a ship full of families. It's a ship full of hookups. This is very like, this is normal and fine, um, which always throws me because um, for those of you who listen to the intro podcast, uh, you'll remember probably that, or maybe not, that um, Voyager is one of my favorite uh, Star Trek series in the universe mm-hmm. and there they're like on a super deep mission they they are far away from home and they don't have any families on board or children or anything like that and so every time i watch tng it throws me off a little bit because i'm like oh my gosh their kids there or like oh my gosh their wife is <laughs> there right. i'm always like where where are these people coming from oh they're on the ship like this ship right. is fa- is a family ship there are tons of people so i think hooking up is a lot more Which- expected here I suppose, which of course it makes perfect sense that it's a family ship because you are the first in battle, the first to investigate questionable acts. Just pile the kids and the wives and the husbands on board and just take them with us Mm -hmm. right into the heart of battle with the Borg. I mean, like, again, we've talked about this, but what were they thinking? At any rate, I do like though that it the children on board do allow the ships. Um, entire look to have like a softer look yeah the kids being on there I don't I don't really care about one way or the other like oh there are kids on board okay but the fact that Gene Roddenberry wrote in the writers and director's guide which we we refer to as the show bible 
he refers to the set design as there will be families on board. So it's not going to be such a militaristic, like mm-hmm. utilitarian only type of ship, like the mm-hmm. original Star Trek se- um, series had mm-hmm. the Enterprise look. So I do love the look. You know, there are like plants in the corridors sometimes mm-hmm. and stuff like it does feel much homier, which I love. I love that. Yeah. And the kids on the ship actually give room for some of the storylines that actually develop later on in the different Definitely. seasons. Right. They pull in the kids. One of my favorite episodes is called Rascals, which we won't be getting to until, gosh, season six. So good. I don't know. Three years from now or so. Oh, my God. We'll stumble right. upon that episode, which <laughs> kind of stars the, the children of, of the ship. So it does give them some more material to work with. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. It definitely does. Um, and I do love... Um, I don't remember what episode it is, but it's kind of down the line when they have Captain Picard Day and they have that little cute little banner that they like kind of uh-huh. write with markers and stuff. Yeah. And it's super endearing. Yeah. And I did notice that at a much, much later episode from that one, that banner is still hanging somewhere that's like somewhat meaningful to Captain Picard. I don't remember if it was in his like quarters or his ready room mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And he still had it. And I thought that was really, really adorable. But we'll get to that when we talk about those episodes. Yeah. So we've got some time. Um, all right. Definitely. So as we wrap up this episode, is there any final thoughts that you have? Um, don't mess with the isolinear chips on the ship. <laughs> just leave them where they are. <laughs> yeah. Just leave those command chips where they are. Because when a piece of a burning star is hurtling towards the ship and about to blow you up, you could just casually get out of the way. Like <laughs> the whole problem was that Whoever move. that guy was, the, the mm-hmm. assistant in engineering messed everything up. And really, that's the guy I blame for the whole thing. I just blame that one guy who we never, ever see again. No, for but, this reason. <laughs> this is why we never see him again. He straight up got transferred. <laughs> He's lucky. He could have gone out an airlock. <laughs> and mad props to Wesley for pulling out all his, like, space physics ninja in the midst, oh my in the midst of him being drunk for the first time ever as a, what, 13-year-old boy. But he still yeah. totally saved the entire ship. So, hey pretty impressive. Yeah, he is. I think he was 15 or so, but yeah, it's, it's that same thing. I mean, you're 15 years old and you saved a thousand plus people because you sort of put in danger in the first place though. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. You kind of caused, you know what? Let's just call it a wash and just say, (laughs) let's just say it never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Which I have a feeling when we go to episode three, it's going to be like Wesley who we'll just keep on, (laughs) keep on going forward. Um, this All has right. been I think a we, pleasure. I think we have done it. I think we have wrapped up season one, episode two, The Naked Now. Thank you so, so much for listening to us. Please check us out on our Instagram, The TNG Podcast, our website, thetngpodcast.com, or email, of, email us with any questions, info at thetngpodcast.com. Sharice, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, the last thing is that if you guys, if there was anything we missed that you wish we would have talked about or anything that you loved from this episode or anything that you despised, we want to hear that stuff too. So definitely hit us up on Instagram or shoot us an email. Join next time when we review season one, episode three, Code Honor, which I got to say for me is one of the most problematic episodes of the entire series, but we'll get into that next week. See you later. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.